Well, as you all know, we've been doing the series on keeping company with God and how important it is for us. A couple of weeks ago, I shared on the fact that to keep company with God, you need to stay close to Him. You need to uh, be in a place where we talked about error increasing with distance. The fact that uh, the further you are away from something, the harder it is to hit the target. And so we need to stay close to God. Also, spending time alone with God is critical as well. Not, not just uh, or giving God the time where you can draw close to Him and, and hear His voice and spend time with Him. And last week, Steve shared a really powerful message from the life of Enoch. Who enjoyed it? Yeah, it was a great message. And we learned in, with Enoch that he was described as a hero of the faith. But the only thing we know about Enoch from the Bible is that he walked closely with God. And I, I think that's a really powerful thing because he didn't, uh, doesn't say he did miracles. It doesn't say he parted seas or slayed giants. It simply says he walked closely with God. And I don't, I don't know about you, but to me, I think, God... If that's all it takes to become a hero of faith, then why is it so hard sometimes to walk closely with you? To stay close, to be close. Why does it seem like it's something so difficult for us? And I felt God share with me the fact that keeping company with God is all about relationship. And the reality is relationships are hard work. Yes? No? I'm married to you and relationships are hard work. <laughs> I only said that to wake you all up, get you all going. That's not true. It's a blessing. More of that to come. But the fact is, the older I get, and I am getting older, as Julie said, I turned 51 this week. So it's an exciting day for me. I'm starting the next phase of my life. And um, I've discovered that the truth is, Relationships are complicated. They're complex. I always think of, I like to think of things as continuums. And if you think of a continuum, we hope to, when you have a continuum, you have a steady, consistent plane, a steady, consistent line. But relationships aren't like that. Relationships are messy. Relationships go up and down, around and round. You go forward one minute, you're going backwards the next, isn't that right? And we've discovered that relationships can be a real blessing to your life. They can be an amazing blessing and they can be, be the gift that keeps on giving. But at the same time, relationships can be really painful and they can cause a lot of hurt for us. I guess the one thing that we learn about relationships is that they do change. And they are, there's different stages of relationships. Sometimes, we, or this morning in church, we dedicated four little babies which was exciting, and you watch the parents holding the babies, and those babies depend on them totally, don't they? They're totally dependent. They have to feed them, wash them, change their nappies, do everything for them. But who knows, one day, and we don't have too many parents with little babies, but parents with burgeoning teenagers in this place, I won't mention any names, but who knows, once you have teenagers, your kids don't want you around that much. They want you to, hey, mum, you're cramping my style. Hey, dad, you're cool. You're really cool. I'm like, you can hang around. But mum, 
you can't. No, it's not true. But the fact is, um, hopefully as they get older, the relationships will change again. And that basically means that there are stages in relationships. Uh, And the fact is, or the reality of relationships is that they do change. But at the same time, if we're going to get the most out of our relationships, we need to change to get the most out of those relationships. If we stay the same, then often that's when relationships will break down and things don't get any better. And you know, it's the same with our relationship with God. That there are times in our relationship with God where we have to stop and think and reevaluate and self-assess where we're at with God. Just like we do in our everyday relationships. And I talk about this for us personally. Because the only person you're responsible at the end of the day fully is yourself and that you have to make decisions and choices in your relationships where you say I need to change I need to do things differently you can't expect someone else to change for you or change you you actually have to make a decision in your own heart to change so sometimes in my relationship with God there's moments where I have to ask my self the question, where am I with God right now? Where am I? Am I happy with where my relationship with God is at the moment? You know, it's really important to stop and ask those questions because there are times in our life where we have to say, God, where do you want to take me? What do you want to do in my life? And this week, God reminded me of of this idea because I was thinking about, God, what, is, what are some of the things that stop me from deepening my relationship with you, growing closer to you? And as I was asking him that, he reminded me of a, a story from many, many years ago. Uh, and it was actually involves Julie and myself when we were dating back in the old days. Um, when We'd been dating for a little while. And when I started dating Julie... I really made a, a strong commitment that I thought, I want to be a gentleman. Girls, remember this. When you're looking for a man, find one that treats you with respect and value. One that will open the door for you. And I, I'd made a decision. I didn't have a father figure, but I made a decision. I'm not going to be an idiot <laughs> or like a lot of other blokes. I'm going to be someone who respects and values my partner. And so I made a decision that I would open the door uh, for her. Open the door, let her go before me. Open the door of the car, let her get in. All of that sort of stuff. And it all worked really well. For (laughs) Don't ask those sorts of questions. I I can't say anything in case it might incriminate me. But um, the fact is, after about a year of dating... One day, and I don't know why, but for some reason I must have been distracted, I must have been thinking about something else, I forgot to open the door for Julie. So obviously you guys know Julie, because from that reaction. But I forgot to open the door, and so I got in the car, and I was like, where's Julie? And then all of a sudden she gets in the car, she sits down, and you know Julie, in her own straightforward, direct way, she said, familiarity breeds contempt. And I'm like, what on earth are you talking about? 
And uh, she goes, familiarity breeds contempt. And I, now, remember, I'm a child of Italian migrants. I literally had never heard that saying before in my life. Has anyone else heard it? No? Some of you haven't. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> because I had never heard it. I had never heard it in my life and said, I don't know what you're talking about. It, don't even, it doesn't compute with me. And she goes, familiarity breeds contempt. It means that once you know someone for a little while and you get familiar with them, you actually take them for granted. That you start a relationship and you're all in love and you, you, they, they, you think the sun shines out of every part of them and uh, it's, they're beautiful and they're wonderful and you want to spend every moment of the day but then as you get familiar with them, you discover that they're not perfect and you start to become familiar and you think, they're not as good as I thought they were, la, la, la. And so you start to not value them or treat them with the respect that they deserve. And as she said that to me, I'm like, I don't think that's happening. I just forgot <laughs> at that one moment. It might be happening now, I don't know. But, um, but the fact is, I, I thought... As she said that saying, familiarity breeds contempt. I've got it up on the screen for you. That phrase stuck with me. Do you know how when God speaks to you, it was one of those moments? Because I couldn't shake it. At that time I was in Bible college and I'd go to Bible college and everything they seemed to be speaking about was this phrase. Don't become familiar with the things of God. Don't become familiar. And... And I began to think about it and say, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? Because the reality is we can become familiar with God. And when we become familiar with God, we start to not value the things of God and what God has for us. And we start to treat it with not the respect that it deserves. You see, familiarity is one of those human nature weaknesses. We all have it. And it, there, it's a real threat to our relationship, not just with God, but even with each other. When we become familiar with church and other things. You know, in the media, they call it information fatigue. I don't know if you know, but when they're running news stories, if they run a news story too much, people get tired of it. And I don't want to hear about this again. And even as important as the news story might be, People go, oh, it's too much, too much information. I've, I've had enough of it. I know what's happening, la, la, la. It's not sort of what happens in, in uh, the election times when you see so many ads and you go, oh, I'm sick of this. And so literally the news outlets have to change the story regularly to keep people's attention. Otherwise, people change the channel. It's because we live in a world where we love to have a good experience. We want to have an encounter. We want to have this moment Oh, and we're always striving for the wow factor. Oh, wow, I, I did this and it was amazing. I did that and it was great. And we're always going, I want a high. I want to I come out of that thing feeling good. And we're always looking for it. But the problem is relationships are a journey. And who knows, journeys have great outcomes when you reach your destination. But the in-between is usually pretty boring and mundane. Isn't that right? That's the reality of relationships. And this is the problem that we have. Guess what? 
God wants to have a relationship with you and me. That means, yes, he does want to bring you to a great encounter with him, but there's a journey along the way, which means there are, dare I say, boring moments when it seems like nothing's happening, where you might be going, are we there yet, God? Are we there yet, God? Are we there yet? Anyone know that experience? If you've ever been on a road trip, you know it. And the reality is, this is the powerful thing. God wants to be there for you in the good encounters, the amazing times. He wants to be with you in the hard times. But he also wants to be with you in the in-between. Everything in between. The stuff that's, dare I say, boring or mundane. He always wants to be there. You know, when I was doing Bible college, we did a study, it's called Christology, the study of Jesus. And, and I discovered that in the Gospels, we hear all about Jesus' ministry. And it was all about the amazing ministry that he had doing miracles, healing the sick, feeding the 5,000, doing, setting people free from all sorts of bondages. And it's amazing. Wow, Jesus' life just seems to be one big thing after another, didn't it? And you read that three and a half years of, from when he was about 30 to 33, and he was doing amazing things. But the fact is, what did Jesus do for the 30 previous years? He ministered, I believe, in what we would call the ministry of the mundane. He just lived life. The Bible tells us he was a carpenter working in his adopted father's carpenter shop, just doing life. But who knows, he wasn't just doing life. He was living in the mundane, but he was learning how to hear the voice of God. He was learning how to be obedient to the voice of God and do what God had asked. He was spending time in his word. And so when it was time for him to launch into his ministry... The preparation work had been done. And this is the powerful thing is that God wants to be with us, not just in the exciting great times, but he also wants to be with us in the ordinary everyday times. Dare I say the mundane times. So if this is the case, how do we develop a genuine, authentic, transforming walk with God where we don't become familiar where we don't take for granted that God is with us in all things. I want to share with you one simple key today. I'm not complicating this. I'm keeping it simple. One simple key. And you might think when I tell you this, you go, oh, is that all it is? And that one key doesn't involve praying more. You might like to know that. Oh, Ben's going to talk to us about praying more. Prayer's the key. No, it doesn't involve praying more. It doesn't even involve reading your Bible more. He goes, what sort of key is this? What's, what heresy is he about to preach? It doesn't even involve coming to church more. I'm not going to tell you you need to be in church more. That's the key to cultivating a real powerful walk with God. No, that's not it. Dare I say it doesn't even involve giving more in the offering. It doesn't involve all those things, but I'll tell you this. If you put this key into practice, you just might increase all of those things in your life. It's the, the simple key 
that I want to share with you today is the key of diligence. Diligence. Some of you are going, what on earth is diligence? Because it's not a word we use a lot these days, but it's in the Bible a lot. But if we're going to not become familiar with God, then it requires us to pay diligent attention to our relationship with God. Just like it would if I'm not going to become familiar with my wife in our marriage, then it requires me to pay diligent attention to my wife and not take her for granted. And the same goes for us with God. Now, as I said, it's not a word we use a lot these days, so I'm going to show you what it means. The, the simple dictionary definition of, of diligence is steady, earnest and energetic effort persevering application so someone who is diligent is steadily earnestly energetically putting effort in for something and that persevering application is that they are continually applying themselves to see something through to the end the christian version or understanding of this is in christianity diligence is the effort to do one's part while keeping faith and reliance in God. In other words, diligence and faith are two sides of a coin. One doesn't know how, despite one's effort, it all works out. But diligence, when combined with faith, assures spiritual success. Diligence as a virtue describes thoroughness, completeness and persistence of action, particularly in the matters of faith. So what that means is, what I, I said you don't have to increase your prayer life, but if you're diligent, then you're going to keep praying and not giving up. If you're diligent, you're going to keep reading your Bible, even when it seems as dry as anything and you don't understand everything there. But you're going to keep doing it because you know that is the key to finding out more about God. See, diligence is the type of word that we use to describe people that are treasure hunters. I don't know if you like watching those shows on TV, those reality shows of gold diggers or treasure hunters and those people who are searching for stuff. But these guys are at it 24-7. They don't give up. They're continually... I remember watching a show where this guy was continually with a metal detector walking through the outback looking for gold. Thinking, that is diligence. That is hard work. Day after day, saying, I want to find gold. And I'm going to do it until, I'm going to keep doing this until I do, because I know it works. That if I have my metal detector on and I, I'm searching and I know this area may have gold, eventually I'm going to find some. That's diligence. You know, it's really interesting that the Bible describes Jesus as our treasure. So in reality, we're all called to be treasure hunters, to be people who search out for the treasure of the kingdom. It's a, in Colossians 2, verses 2 and 3, it says these words, For my hope is that their hearts may be encouraged as they are knit together in unselfish love. So they may have all the riches that come from their full assurance and understanding of understanding the joy of salvation, resulting in a true and more intimate knowledge of the mystery of God, 
that is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge regarding the word and purposes of God. Who wants to know the purposes of God in this place? Well, this tells us that those treasures are found in Jesus. So that tells me we need to seek it out. We need to search for it. We need to search for a more intimate knowledge of God because in God is all the treasure we need to live life. We need to understand that God is the giver who keeps on giving. Our relationship with him is an opportunity every day to find new treasure. And these treasures help us live the life that God has called us to live. The treasures that are, we find in God. But guess what? It's our responsibility to search it out. It doesn't say God's just going to drop it in your lap. It says that we need to diligently seek it. Search it out. So often we just think, oh God, you just give it to us. Come to church and I'm here, God. Drop it, whatever I need in my lap. But then we forget about him the rest of the week. No, we need to put into our life a practice of diligently seeking God. This is throughout the Bible. I love uh, uh, the Apostle Paul. He says these powerful words in Philippians 3.10. He says, and this, talking about Jesus, says, so that I may know him, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely and in that same way experience the power of his resurrection which overflows and is active in believers and that I may share the fellowship of his sufferings by being continually conformed inwardly into his likeness even to his death, dying as he did. These are pretty powerful words but I'll just bring you back to the top. He says, his, his passion is that he may know him, become more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person. Now you need to understand, in this passage, Paul is not a new Christian. He's not even a, a person who's been a Christian for a few years and walked the walk for a little while. This is Paul talking when he is sitting in a prison in Philippi, or, or he's writing the letter to the Christians of Philippi, but sitting in a prison in Rome. And he is writing this letter just before he's about to be executed, saying that I may know him, that I might be more thoroughly acquainted with this person, Jesus, and the remarkable wonders of who he is. That's diligence. To still have that sort of passion after years and years and years of walking with God. That's not familiarity. That's a hunger and a desire. And he's even saying, even if, you, even if it involves death, I want it, God. If that's going to cause me to know you more, then that's what I'll have. You see, this is a mature, seasoned Christian. And at the end of his life, his desire and his diligence to know God hasn't diminished. You know why? Because he's discovered that's what matters most. To know God is what matters most. That we might know him. The Bible talks about this over and over and over again and encourages us to be diligent when it comes to our relationship with him. Hebrews 11.6 says, 
But without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please Him. For whoever comes near to God must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek Him. You've got to have faith. Faith is, I believe God. I believe in God. I know He exists. I know He cares about me. I know He loves me. I know He sent His Son to die for me. That's faith, believing in it. But it doesn't stop there. Now, you've got to diligently seek Him. You've got to continually seek Him. It's not just a once-off. It's a continue, continual seeking because the Bible promises us that God rewards those who diligently seek him. 2 Peter 1.5 says, For this very reason, applying all diligence to the divine promises. Anyone had a promise from God in this place? Well, this tells us that don't just have a promise, but apply your diligence to that promise, making every effort in exercising your faith to develop moral excellence. Making every effort, that's diligence. Not just sitting on your backside and going, God, if you're going to make it happen, that's great. I'll just wait here until you do. No. Put your faith into action. Diligently seek him. Proverbs 8, 17 says, And those who seek me diligently will what? Will find me. I love this next one. Hebrews 6, 11, 12 says, And we desire for each one of you to show the same diligence all the way through. Just like a footballer has to play the game right to the end, then God's calling us to show the same effort and diligence all the way through so as to realize and enjoy the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be spiritually sluggish. Another version says, spiritually lazy it's time to get up and start applying what you've learned and start seeking God in all things I need to make one thing clear as I come to a close that diligence in our walk with God is an absolute necessity but I hope you understand that as these scriptures show you that The most important thing and what is most important when it comes to our diligence is that the object of our diligence is what matters most. Being diligent to know God and to walk with God is what will bring growth and transformation to your life. You know, sadly, unfortunately, and I'm a victim of this, so I'm not pointing any fingers out there, I... I do this often and I have to catch myself and say, no, God, I've got to get back on track. But unfortunately, many of us have fallen for the trap of being diligent in doing things for God rather than being diligent to know God. We need to remember that knowing God and being intimate with God is what really counts. The doing should always be the fruit of the knowing. I'll say that again. The doing, the things we do for God, should always be the fruit of us spending time with God. Not doing things to go, God, notice me. I'm doing all this for you. 
I'm coming to church three times a day, if we had it three times. <laughs> uh, I'm coming to Pop-Up Kitchen. I'm putting lots in the offering. God, notice I'm what I'm doing. Notice what I'm doing. No, God says, I don't want you just doing stuff. I want you to stop and know me. Seek me. Seek me first. Know me. And then I'll show you what you need to do. It'll become clear and evident what you need to do. Now, I know you, I use this story a lot, but it's a story that shows this so powerfully uh, from the Bible, this whole concept and this principle of diligently knowing God as being the most important thing. But in Luke 10, verses 38 to 42, it's the story of Mary and Martha. And it says, Now it happened as they went that he, talking about Jesus, entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed her into her house, welcomed him into her house. And she said she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Too often we substitute busyness and serving God for knowing God. And let me tell you this, it's a poor substitute for God's real plan for our life. I noticed this when I read this story as I was preparing, that just at the, in the early part it says, and she had a sister called Mary. It doesn't say who sat at Jesus' feet, who also sat at Jesus' feet. That tells, tells me that at some point Martha also sat at Jesus' feet. So in my mind tells me they were both at Jesus' feet. But Martha got caught up, I've got a house full of people. I've got to feed them. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And she thought, oh, I can't stay here. I'm too busy. I've got too much to do. And, and it's an important thing to feed Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. If Jesus was in my house, I'd want to feed him. But she's like, but Jesus says, you've been distracted. She got distracted by many things. And started getting busy, but Mary stayed at Jesus' feet to know him. And I'd throw the challenge out to us. Are we substituting the opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet with the distractions of doing stuff, being busy with stuff? As good as that stuff might be, there's nothing that can substitute sitting at Jesus' feet. Spending time in his presence, loving on him, getting to know him, digging into his word and discovering who he really is. Because it's in that moment when we get to know him that we actually really get to know ourselves. Because that's at that moment that we begin to discover who God created us to be. That he created his plan and his his idea for us was that we would be in intimate relationship with him and that everything would flow from that.
You see, this is the one thing we discover in this story about Martha and Mary, is that if familiarity breeds contempt, then intimacy breeds devotion. You see, if familiarity makes us take things for granted, intimacy actually causes our devotion to that thing to grow. You see, the Mary that we've read about in Luke 10 is the same Mary in John chapter 12. Have a read of the story later. It's the Mary who poured perfume over Jesus and washed his feet with her hair, literally. And Judas got all upset about it and said, Jesus, we could have used this perfume, sold it, got all the money and fed the poor. And Jesus said, don't you understand? She's preparing me for my burial. So her devotion to Jesus, she obviously realized something was happening. That there was a place that Jesus was in, that he was about to embark on something big. And she knew him because of her devotion to him and her intimacy with him that she came sat at his feet, poured perfume on his feet and started to wash his feet because she was absolutely committed. Feeding the poor is important, but loving Jesus is the most important. There's nothing more important than that. And I think that's something we need to hear as a church because we love feeding people who are struggling and and being out in our community and doing lots of good stuff that God has called us to do. But we can never allow it to replace being intimate with Jesus. That's what matters most. Because when we're intimate with him, he shows us what he wants us to do. He shows us who we really are. God doesn't want us to become familiar with him. He wants us to be intimate with him. He wants us to know him deeply because when we really get to know him, we discover treasures that will transform our lives. But it's not just going to happen. It requires faith and diligence. The beautiful thing is that as we get closer to God, our devotion for him grows and we are changed into who he created us to be. The children of God. And I don't know about you, but as children of God, to me that implies that we would be, we would look like God. Our children resemble us. And at the end of the day, that's what God's called us to be. That we would be transformed into his image and his likeness. That we would become more like him. But we won't become more like him if we don't spend time with him. If we don't seek him diligently with everything we have. But when we do, that changes us and transforms us. And that allows us to then show who he is to the world around us. See, we've got to get it in the right order. That right order is God first. And then doing and being who he wants us to be to the world around us. I want you to bow your heads as we pray. Just before we finish, 
I'd ask you that question and ta- ask you to take a moment to self-evaluate, self-assess. Do things need to change in your relationship with God? Does your relationship with God have diligent, are you diligent about it? Is it something you are hungry for that you might know him that you might be close to him the great thing about God is he is always there I like to say he's just a prayer away but it's our choice it's our decision it's our responsibility Will we choose to seek him? Or will we choose to just be happy with the familiar? Being familiar with him. I want you to take a moment to talk to God. It's your choice. I'm not going to try to force you into it. I've just laid it all out on the table for you and shown you what is possible when we get diligent for God. Take a moment to talk to Him, to ask Him. Maybe you need to say sorry and say, God, sorry I've become familiar. I'm sorry. I want more of you. I make a commitment. But understand, diligence means that what you decide tonight, you keep doing tomorrow and the next day and the next day. That you diligently seek Him with everything you have. I'll give you a moment to talk to God. diligently seek you we will find you and God you know the hearts in this room you know the prayers that have been prayed and God I pray right now Lord God that the strength and the power would start to flow through every person here and they would have the hunger and desire to diligently seek you with everything they have like a person searching for gold, that they would search for you in everything they do, in the exciting parts, in the boring and the mundane, in-between parts, that they would search and for you in all those things. God, I pray right now that the re- everyone's relationship with you in this place would grow from this day, that we understand that keeping company with you doesn't just happen but it requires diligent application. Lord God, help us, we pray. Because we know sometimes we're weak and we need your help. I pray that you would help us.